AGMs, Brexit and market abuse. Those are just some of the topics we've been discussing over the past few weeks. I'm Suzanne Carney and I'm joined by my colleague Ashley Carey. We're both professional support lawyers here in the corporate and M&A department at Arthur Cox. And this is the first episode in our new series of audio briefings, looking at legal and regulatory developments from a corporate law perspective. Thank you for joining us today. In this episode, we will look at some of the recent developments in the areas of company law, corporate governance and equity capital markets. Ashling, it's that time of year again when many companies are planning their AGMs. Last year, many companies experienced disruption due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So what measures are available this year to assist in planning an AGM or other general meeting? Yes, Suzanne, with AGM season almost upon us, I'm going to take a look at some of the temporary measures designed to give flexibility to companies when holding general meetings in the coming weeks and months. The company's Miscellaneous Provisions COVID-19 Act of 2020 made temporary amendments to the Companies Act to address some of the pandemic-related challenges faced by companies, including those relating to the holding of general meetings. The Act did not come into force until August 2020, and so the 2021 AGM season is the first time that many companies can rely on these provisions. The provisions only apply until the 9th of June this year. As a result, unless they are extended, they will only be relevant to AGMs that are due to take place prior to the 9th of June. The provisions can be grouped into four main areas. Firstly, in relation to the form of the meeting, companies do not need to hold a general meeting at a physical venue, but can conduct the meeting either wholly or partly by virtual means, subject to certain requirements and restrictions. Secondly, in relation to the quorum requirements, members and proxies participating by electronic means will be counted in the quorum. Thirdly, regarding last minute changes, companies have the option to cancel general meetings at any time prior to the holding of the meeting due to exceptional and unexpected circumstances. They can also cancel the meeting, change the venue and change the means of holding the meeting up to the end of the day prior to the general meeting, if required to limit the spread of COVID-19. Finally, companies can opt to specify in the notice that voting will be by way of poll rather than by show of hands. So staying with AGMs for a moment, there may be some topical issues around executive pay that may be relevant to this year's AGM. Yes, executive pay is topical this year for a couple of reasons. Firstly, it is the first year in which most traded PLCs will be reporting and voting on directors' remuneration in accordance with SRD2, that is the revised shareholder rights directive. Secondly, the pandemic has made executive pay a more salient issue for many investors, and as a reflection of this, a number of shareholder advisory bodies have published guidance in this area. On SRD2, these obligations have now been incorporated into the Companies Act, but are only relevant to certain companies. So who exactly does this impact? Yes, so SRD2 introduced into the Companies Act new mandatory reporting obligations for traded PLCs, that is PLCs whose shares are listed on an EU regulated market, regarding the preparation and approval of remuneration policies and reports. And of course, many Irish listed companies already prepare remuneration reports and policies. So will anything change for them? That's correct. So for many Irish listed companies, these obligations are not new as many companies listed on Euronex Dublin and those with the dual listing on the LSE already hold an annual vote on the company's remuneration report and a vote usually every three years on the remuneration policy. Traded PLCs that already have approved remuneration policies in place 
can continue to rely on those policies until the end of the four-year period from the date on which the policy was approved. If they wish to make a material amendment to the policy or are adopting a policy for the first time, this must be put to a shareholder vote, which will be an advisory vote unless the company's constitution provides otherwise. All companies within the scope of SRD2 will need to prepare a remuneration report which satisfies the new content requirements introduced by SRD2 and must put the report to an advisory vote at this year's AGM. And you mentioned some recently published guidance on executive pay. Both Glass-Lewis and the Investment Association have recently published guidance on executive pay in light of the pandemic. The general view is that investors expect the remuneration of executive directors to have been impacted by COVID-19 in a manner consistent with the impact on the general workforce. The guidance sets out shareholder expectations in relation to bonus payments, salary increases, and the level of disclosure expected in the remuneration report in relation to pay. Suzanne, I know there have been some recent developments of interest from an equity capital markets perspective, in particular the impact of Brexit. Have those developments affected Irish companies with the listing on the London Stock Exchange? With effect from the 31st of December 2020, the London Stock Exchange, or LSE, main market ceased to be an EU-regulated market. This change in status has had implications for Irish incorporated companies with the sole or due listing on the main market of the LSE, in particular in relation to continuing obligations under both transparency and market abuse law. Due listed issuers, that is, Irish incorporated companies with shares admitted to trading on both the LSE and an EU-regulated market, such as Euronex Dublin, are now subject to obligations under two separate regimes and will need to comply with both. From a transparency law perspective, this means complying with obligations under the UK Financial Conduct Authority's Disclosure and Transparency Rules, in addition to existing obligations under EU and local transparency law. In relation to market abuse, due listed issuers are now subject to UK market abuse law, in addition to their existing market abuse requirements under EU and local law. On the other hand, those Irish incorporated companies with shares admitted to trading on the LSE only are no longer subject to EU transparency and market abuse laws and instead are exclusively subject to the UK regimes going forward. It is worth noting, as you mentioned traded PLCs earlier, Ashling, that any Irish issuer with a sole listing on the LSE will no longer be considered a traded PLC for the purpose of the Irish Companies Act due to no longer being listed on an EU regulated market. And market abuse has been mentioned a lot recently. I understand the central bank have indicated a focus on market abuse this year from a supervisory perspective in a recent report. Yes, the central bank published its first securities markets risk outlook report last month. The report details conduct risks to securities markets and outlines the central bank's supervisory priorities for 2021. So it covers many other areas of market supervision and is not limited to market abuse. However, the central bank has identified compliance with market abuse obligations as a repeated area of focus for 2021. This follows an industry-wide thematic review conducted by the central bank during 2020. As part of this review, the central bank examined compliance by issuers listed on Euronex Dublin with various market abuse requirements, including in relation to inside information. The central bank indicates that it expects to complete and announce the results of the 2020 review this year. And does the report offer any guidance for issuers, uh, for example, in relation to inside information? Yes, the report reiterates the central bank's expectations that issuers should, 
firstly, have specific measures in place to ensure timely disclosure of inside information to the market, including, in particular, information relevant to COVID-19, Brexit and other related developments. And secondly, to ensure that they have clear policies on how inside information is controlled and handled and that these policies are followed in practice. One of the developments at an EU level is the availability of the EU recovery prospectus. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, Sashling. The legislation introducing the new EU recovery perspective will come into effect next week on the 18th of March. The EU recovery prospectus is a simplified document designed to help issuers raise equity capital required in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. This shorter form prospectus may be used for secondary issuances by issuers who already have shares admitted to trading on an EU regulated market or on an SME growth market and will be available as an option for such issuers until the end of next year. Finally, I understand that Ireland has opted to defer the application of the European Single Electronic Reporting Format obligation by one year. That's correct. Briefly, by way of background, issuers listed on an EU regulated market are required to prepare their annual financial reports using the European Single Electronic Reporting Format, or ESEF for short, for financial years beginning on or after the 1st of January 2020. However, in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, it was agreed to postpone the application of this new requirement, allowing member states the option to defer application of the ESEF obligation by one year. As Ireland has now opted to defer, Irish issuers will be subject to the ESEF reporting requirement in respect of financial years beginning on or after the 1st of January 2021. That completes our roundup of legal and regulatory developments for today's episode. If you have any questions on anything we discussed today, or if there is any particular issue you would like to hear more about, please feel free to contact Ashling or myself, or your usual Arthur Cox contact. We'll be back next month with a new episode. But in the meantime, thank you for listening and goodbye.